This is Eric Corey, and I'm a huge National Football League fan. And it's not just only for the touchdowns and the tackles. There's so much more to this game than just grown men wearing plastic battlesuits colliding with each other at top speeds in a violent yet orderly fashion to move an inflated piece of leather across an imaginary plane. It's called football, and it's the best sport in the world, says me and most of my friends. But what I think really draws us to the NFL is its unapologetic demand for excellence at every level. I mean, either you beat the best guy on your team at that position, or you sit on the bench. There are no exceptions. There are no excuses and no quarter for the week. It's real-time natural selection in modern form. Football is more than just a game that's played here. It's our signature piece on the wide world of sports. It represents the ideals of America more perfectly than any other metaphor that you can conjure. It rewards innovation and hard work, and those who display a higher level of grit and determination are rewarded handsomely. Playing harder than your competition to win and succeed based on dedication and hard work, well, there is nothing more American than that. And since each game produces a clear winner, man, it's as satisfying as life gets. Winners celebrate, and losers find a way to get better. That inarguable certainty in life known as scoreboard. Few things in life provide such perfect closure the term scoreboard. It so exactly describes an inarguable outcome. I mean, not just in sports, but in life itself. It's such a beautiful reference that so effectively silences the, the bitter haters and the sore losers. The inarguable success of a fat bank account, that's scoreboard. Living the life that you've always wanted, always dreamed for yourself, that's scoreboard. My team is the best team in NFL football this year. Just look at the scoreboard. This is how winners are rewarded and it's the inspiration that drives us all. And just like NFL players who are willing to sacrifice their bodies for a chance at big money, well, so does the person who risks it all to start a small business or pursue a career to, to free themselves from an unfulfilling job. I need to stop here for a minute to acknowledge the man who I first believe coined the term scoreboard. He was a sports talk guy who cut his radio teeth here in my Southern California town before exploding nationally. It's Jim Rome, and he is perhaps the man responsible for settling more arguments in the world than all the popes of Rome. Now, I love this game of football and this league more than any other sport known to man for all these reasons and so much more. Now, I'm not a pro player. I never even sniffed it. When I was a senior in high school and the college scouts came around, well, they weren't looking for a guy who maxed out at 5'8". But I did play football for eight years, and it was my best sport. Now, beginning in August, the hottest days of August, me and every other kid who ever played organized football would start practicing twice a day for two weeks. And then it'll be another week of practice before you see your first game. And after five straight days of wearing the same stinky, dirty practice gear, there was nothing like putting on your fresh, clean game uniform on game day or lacing up the spikes that you just polished, adjusting your pads, cinching your belt, and snapping the button on your chin strap preparing to smash people you don't even know with a reckless abandon. I mean, there's nothing like it in the world. And it never occurred to me that high school football would be the last time I would ever play the game of football. I so took it for granted, and it was a marvelous way to spend the fall. And I'm still in close contact with another member of my childhood football team. The bond that Anthony and I built way back then will never break. And both of our fathers also played the game. And much of the time, one of them would be at our practice. And I can remember being embarrassed when my dad would show up at practice. Because back in the 60s and 70s, parents didn't come to your practice. And when my dad would be there leaning on the fence, watching my practice all by himself, I remember feeling shame. Turns out my dad was way ahead of his time. 
See, today, no parent is not at their kid's practice. They set up their lawn chairs and their chat groups and sip their drinks at practice. But my dad was doing it long before it became fashionable. And he, too, loved the game so much. He was a great football player and an even better dad. Now, with football, there is a level of team unity that cannot be experienced unless you've been on a field with 10 other guys working together in an exacting manner, synchronizing every footstep to move a football down the field, all the while smashing every face you see wearing a different jersey. And a level of trust and cooperation that is required to successfully execute a play that lasts for no more than six seconds is what makes this game unique. And when you rise to the level of the National Football League, what you get is a beautiful ballet performed by exceptional athletes to a level of precision that too often goes unnoticed. During my years of playing football as a kid, I played on two winning teams. And there was one commonality that these two teams had, and that was that everyone liked each other. On these teams, there was an unquestionable sense of unity and camaraderie that was at the core of our success. It was unmistakable. Guys willing to go to battle together, to work together, and carry out their assignments unselfishly for the good of the team and to make one of them proud of each other. I'm convinced that this key element is an absolute must for any team that hopes to succeed at any team sport at any level. And we've all seen the owners of professional sports franchise spending insane amounts of money to get the best guy at his position in that league, filling his team with individual superstars, only to have that same team unable to string together just a few wins. And it's usually because these high-paid guys often find themselves more important than the team, breaking the spell of unity that is a locker room must. But in the NFL, these are no ordinary men. These are people who have been lauded and adored their entire lives because of their exceptional athletic talents. And in the NFL, keeping a roster of 63 alpha males with enormous bodies in peak physical condition on the same page is a remarkable thing. But it's always about the money, and that's why it happens. These guys know that a cohesive locker room is the key to success. And when there is full cooperation and commitment, well, they win the big games, and they put on a good show, and they command the big bucks. And when you have success at this level, well, they build statues of you. Now, there has been for quite some time a level of parity that defines this league. The term on any given Sunday means that any NFL team can beat another NFL team on any given Sunday, regardless of their record. Now, this makes for compelling TV and great betting opportunities, a killer combination that keeps me and my wife on the Sunday couch for seven hours. Yes, I said my wife, no joke, she's as big of an NFL fan as I am, and the exception when it comes to wives watching football. My wife will holler at the TV, scream when there's a turnover, and curse out the refs with the best of them. And that's because the NFL is the best entertainment value on the planet. And at the base of that is an uncompromising demand for perfection. A perfect throw, a perfect catch, a perfectly placed stiff arm, or a perfect shoestring tackle. It's an unscripted TV show with no laugh track or background music. And there's nothing staged about it. Everything is happening in real time before your eyes. And the outcome is usually in doubt until the very last play. 22 of the most badass men in the world colliding in perfect unison to the delight of millions. And these people who live in this most exclusive ecosystem all profit from the success of each other. The game they play is highly entertaining and perfect for TV. Their league's management commands top advertising rates known, and they generate billions on multiple financial fronts. Now, this is that different story. Excellence at every level, and the profits to prove it.
See, there is no better example I can give for the practice of applying oneself to strive for excellence while demanding it from the others around you, all for a common good, and then reaping the financial rewards that all that brings. And what you get is what you see in the NFL or the Major League Baseball or the National Football League or the NBA or any of the thousands of other for-profit sports franchises that thrive. And because these top-tier sports franchises do it so well, the striving for excellence thing, well, the world pays to watch. It's the embodiment of the formula, hard work equals success. And when it's taken to this level of physical and mental strength and execution on display, well, it creates obscene profits that are shared throughout the organization. Now, I love this metaphor for life that the NFL gives us because here, these principles are played out before our very eyes. In this world, there are no laws except for the rules of the game and that you perform your job well, because if you don't, we'll find someone else who will. See, there are no exceptions, and the evidence of your work is not subjective. It can't be faked or contrived. We can all see the results in real time, and either you made the catch or the tackle or the block, or you didn't. And if you didn't, well, you'll be replaced. You see, there are no allowances or exemptions or carve-outs for almost. The proof of your worth to the organization can be calculated, and if the numbers are in the red, well, you're gone. It's simple, emotionless, performance-based decision-making. And we demand this level of excellence in our entertainment world as well, even though it's done much differently for musicians or actors. But the quality of a strong voice or the commitment of a good actor will command your dollars because if they don't perform to your high standards, well, you'll spend your entertainment dollar somewhere else. Now, you probably already know where I'm going with all this, but this comparison is just too perfect for me to overlook in my ongoing effort to present a clear picture of our failings in our time and, of course, a, a way to fix it. And because this is my turn at making history, I feel the need to do something to try and steer it away from the cliff. I'm never going to stop trying to get people to open their eyes to the observable. And using the example of the NFL is another opportunity to point out the hypocrisy of it all. Not that that will stop people from continuing to defend their hypocrisy, but I'm not going to stop either. You see, on, on one hand, we demand excellence when where we spend our money, whether it's on a sporting event or a movie ticket. And on the other hand, we allow our taxed dollars to be spent in such a manner that does not demand a similar level of excellence or even anything remotely approaching excellence. Not demanding exceptional work in the spending of our tax dollars we earn and give to an organization that lacks even the least bit of exceptionalism is the hypocrisy of our time. You see, those who can turn their head away from the disasters of government and at the same time refusing to pay for a latte that's served over 70 degrees or those who can continue to vote for representation that fails at every level, yet demand fresh fruit in the middle of a big city from your grocer. We demand a level of competence for every dollar that we spend, be it on your hairdresser, or your contractor, your dry cleaner, or your yoga instructor. And yet, a world of blatant bullshit, backstabbing, lying, and extortion exists at the highest level of our society in full view. And we're all okay with that? We're all okay with being deceived by our leaders and the daily dose of bullshit that comes from every orifice of media? You're okay with elect officials telling you how they're going to solve a problem only to see that very same problem unsolved for decades. You're okay with public schools who have been consistently failing in the teaching of basic reading and math. Now that's a scoreboard that no teacher's union would ever want you to see. You're okay that instead of teaching of how dedication and teamwork breeds success as the NFL can teach us, they're teaching our children how to be victims and how only government can make it right for them. 
They teach division by separating our children based on the color of their skin, for goodness sakes. And you're okay with spending your grandchildren's tax dollars today? And to have that expense become payable by them sometime long after you're gone? And you're okay with making excuses for it all and buying into it, granting them exemption because these officials share your belief in, well, whatever it is that you hold higher than your children's future. And these discrepancies aren't some vague references of the present. These discrepancies are as clear as two feet in bounds or a ball crossing the plane of the goal. They can't be denied because they can be confirmed with video evidence as clear as a field goal made. And yet we do deny the existence of incompetence in a world that demands it. Now, wait, wait, let me, let me correct myself there. We don't necessarily deny its existence. We just make excuses for it and blame the other guy. Now, good luck trying that on a football field. You'll get your face smashed. I mean, literally, your face smashed for accepting such behavior or looking the other way. But there is no face smashing in politics. It's just the opposite. You can't smash anyone's face because they might get their feelings hurt in the process. And it's always the other guy's fault, regardless of who the other guy is. And so it goes on, year after year, of electing the same people who do the same thing, not able to score a single point or make even the chippiest of chippy field goals. And we hang on to these dinosaurs running our country for some reason I, I just can't figure out. Now, wouldn't the world be a much better place if we all adhere to the principles of football as presented by the NFL, where the best always rise to the top, not because they have a favored political status or enough money to buy off a coach. No, they rise to the top because they are the best at what they do. The performers we see on Sunday TV, well, they're there because they earned it. They've worked harder than the next guy, and they're reaping the rewards of their efforts. It's the way of the world since the world began. It's natural selection or survival of fittest, whichever phrase you prefer. It's on display for all to see in the National Football League. But politics are not sports. And the worst political humans are the ones we see on TV, not the best. And because there is no scoreboard or field of play, there is no way to tell winners from the losers. There's never a final play or a conclusion to the game. It's just a game that goes on forever. The only problem is, is that this is not a game. This is real money. These are real people's futures and real consequences to their actions. And not demanding from our political leaders the same level of excellence we demand in everything else we spend our money on, well, it's not their fault. It's ours for accepting subpar work and subpar behavior and still paying for it. How can you expect anything different. This is Eric Corey, and thank you for listening.